Hello, podcast listener. This episode of JJ Meets World features wrestling legend Pat Tanaka. We detail all sorts of great things about his career in wrestling, his career once he's getting a new generation of wrestlers going, and so much more, including a deep dive into his dad's history in wrestling, which is just as unique. All of this and so much more on this episode of JJ Meets World. Don't forget to check out our Patreon page. And wait a minute, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of JJ Meets World is brought to you by Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. Natalie has a proven track record to get your home sold faster and for more money. She is consistently focused on her clients' needs and wants throughout the entire process and make sure that they are well taken care of. If you're looking to buy or sell, reach out to Natalie today. On average, Natalie sells a home every 3.74 days. That's at least two a week. And last year, Natalie earned her clients on average over $4,000 above list price on their homes. And you don't have to take our word for it. Here's some of the great reviews Natalie has received. I was overwhelmingly impressed with Natalie and all the Hatch team. She was very responsive and responded to all of the emails within an hour. She gave great advice and encouragement from the listing and pictures, the offer, and all the closing details. The marketing team knew exactly how to promote my property, and I was pleased by how soon and easily my property received an offer. I was actually dreading selling my condo, and Natalie did such an awesome job that I felt like I really didn't need to do anything. The thing I most appreciated was that she really listened to what I wanted to do and respected my decisions. I would definitely recommend Natalie and all the Hatch Realty team. They made this process so wonderful. That was from Diane. So listen, if you're in the mood to buy or sell a home, give Natalie a call right now. You can reach her at 701-388-9338, Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E, at hatchrealityfm.com, or you can go to livefargomorehead.com, that's Live. FargoMoorhead.com and find out some information. Huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring JJ Meets World. One, two, three, four. JJ Gordon, sort of like that Indiana Jones in that he's always snipping out his next adventure. Yes, he is. He's always interviewing guests so he can have them on his show and they can talk about pop culture, arts, and leisure. JJ has his flag unfurled and he likes his french fries curled and he's fun and then he twirls as he goes to meet the world. He will march into the rain even if his ankle sprain. Take a peek inside his brain. This podcast is called JJ Meets World. I had a friend in high school who loved pro wrestling. I mean, this kid loved pro wrestling. And there's a movie that came out that had, I think, Scott Kahn and the guy who played Dewey and Scream and Oliver Platt. And it, I think it was like Royal Rumble or Rumble, Rumble in the Jungle or something like that. Rumble in the Bronx? No. Is that what it No, no that's it Jackie Chan, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And anyway, the, the idea was it's these two guys who are like the screw ups of this town, but they love wrestling and they find out that. A guy named the King, Oliver Platt, who is a professional wrestler, was being dethroned. Joey Pants is in it as well as a crooked promoter. Love Joe Pantoliano. Mm-hmm. So he is so excited for this movie, and he's like, we got to go. Will you go with me? Will you go with me? I said, yeah, I'll go with you. No, so settle down. Settle down. <laughs> and I remember going to see it at Safari, which was still a first-run movie theater at the time. Uh, and now it's our obviously like our our discount theater. So we go and we watch it 
and he is enthralled through this whole thing because there's wrestling moves and there's cameos by other wrestlers. And I'm sitting there going like, this movie is garbage. (laughs) Every piece of this movie is just not enjoyable for me or entertaining. And afterwards he was really mad at me. And I said, it's again, he accused me of just not liking wrestling. And I said, no, this is just a bad movie. Oliver Platt is not, a wrestler. The makings <laughs> of Oliver Platt should not be your bar for a, like a star wrestler in this. But he was the first wrestling fanatic that I had ever met before. Mm. Someone who knew stats and who knew where you know what team this person of or who was excommunicated from the the four horsemen at what time. <laughs> and I remember thinking about like I envy you for loving something so much and for having so much knowledge about it because I wasn't a sports kid. Right. So uh, I dedicate this intro to Cody Crawford, Codeman Crawford, <laughs> uh, who I think became a professional poker player in uh, like for a job for a while. Okay. But uh, thank you for instilling in me this love because this is at a time too when wrestling had kind of waned out a little bit. It, wrestling has an ebb and flow. It's got its peaks and its valleys when it comes to popularity. And this was definitely in a valley. Uh, probably why it had. The, oh God, what was the name of that guy? who played Dewey and his family. He's an Arquette, David Arquette, <laughs> David Arquette and Scott Kahn coming at you. Uh, and he comes up with this character called like the trooper and he's a state trooper at the end for his I wrestling remember persona. This movie Do you now, remember this? Now I'm remembering the trailer. I haven't seen it. And but it's a three level like cage fight yeah, that they're doing. In that's it. right. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty intense. Uh, I'm stoked because our guest today is Pat Tanaka, who is uh, who definitely is a thread in the tapestry that is professional wrestling. Yep. If you were a fan of the WWF in the early 90s, you might remember Pat from a group called the Orient Express. Um, he, Bad Company was another one I think, I think so. he was I'm a not, part I'm of. I'm not sure, but he, he just did a ton of stuff. He knows everyone in the industry, and he's relocated to Fargo where he's opened a wrestling school. He wants the next, like the next generation of pro wrestlers, to have some Fargo flavor to them, right? Which I think is amazing because who comes to Fargo, North Dakota, to open a professional wrestling school? Hell yeah, hell yeah! Uh, that was awesome. You guys are really gonna enjoy this one. Yeah, this is an absolutely great episode. So why waste any more time? Podcast go. JJ meets world. We are recording. Do you need anything else? Need to refill water or anything? Use the I'm bathroom. I'm a Diet Coke, man. That's it. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Me too. Man, I can't yeah. drink anything else, but... <laughs> Go and and actually lift this up even much even closer to you. Okay. Uh, yeah. For the last, I guess, since, gosh, when I was in grade school, I started drinking Diet Coke. Nothing else now. Nothing else? Nothing. <laughs> for real. No. You know, I don't remember the moment in my life when I, I used to drink Mountain Dew like it was going out of style when I was in middle school. But something happened in my high school years where Diet Coke became my thing. And like, I'm a weirdo because I like my Diet Coke room temperature and kind of flat. I like all the bubbles out of it. So I would open up a can the night before, go to bed, and then that was my coffee in the morning. Because I don't like the wow. taste of coffee. So well, only me. Diet Coke. Mm-mm. Gotta be a lot of ice, a lot of fish. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's weird because I I started wrestling uh, in Japan, and uh, it was funny because I just I mean I was a kid, you know, and I go to Japan and I ask for a drink and no Diet Coke, only regular Coke. I flipped out. <laughs> I was like, I can't drink that, you know? 
And uh, it was crazy, but I told, you know, some people there, hey, man, we got to find it, you know, because I'm freaking out, you know. Because <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had a headache from not Yo, drinking. it's the worst. Isn't it? It's incredibly terrible. Anyway, uh, after a while, I started bitching, complaining about it, and uh, I started doing Diet Coke commercials for them, and then, boom, it hit the market, <laughs> man. It became huge there, and now it's all over the place. So they used to load my bus up there with Diet Coke. It was great, man. I mean, I had all the free Diet Coke I wanted. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but uh, it's just great being here with you guys, man. I heard about your show, and man, that's really cool. Okay, so... Pat Tanaka, welcome to JJ Meets World. We're going to include the Diet Coke conversation because I think that's interesting. Oh, absolutely. But we'll just get the formalities taken care of right here and right now. Uh, so my childhood included uh, wrestling, like a lot of kids' childhood. Right. childhood. I had a wrestling buddy, and we used to just beat up on those things nonstop. I could imagine. And in the mid-'80s, wrestling fever was everywhere i mean you were talking about everything from from pay-per-view events to action figures video games people were flooding their way to get tickets to see live events and you are a cornerstone piece piece of that how did you get into the world of wrestling well um it's funny that you asked uh, my father he was a professional wrestler and uh it was funny, just the other day, someone put a, put a picture of me and my father uh, on Facebook, and I was just in my diapers, and it was a newspaper article about that, you know, he was feeding me, and then, you know, they said that I ate the chopsticks instead of the food, <laughs> you know, so uh, the newspaper reporter had a blast with it. Anyway, uh, someone put it on Facebook the other day, and I was just like, where did they get that? Because I don't have any pictures of me, you know, uh, other than wrestling and that's it, you know, hanging out and things like that, you know, when I was older. So now I have a picture of myself when I was a baby and that's incredible, you know, and I'll tell you a funny story, you know, uh, Kathy sees like she's, you know, my girl, my world, you know, and she made me a little picture of it you know and hung it on the wall freaked me out i was like wow you know that's unbelievable it was really a cool thing for her to do i remember seeing your facebook post and thinking that looks just like pat <laughs> like like the, your dad like seeing like oh i could totally see that those two well, are related. everybody else looks at and says whatever happened to him <laughs> <laughs> so he looks like such a sweet boy <laughs> So uh, Pat and I have a few mutual friends. Taylor Schatz is one of them. Um, who, what a great uh, who's guy. a great guy. I've done a bunch of theater with Taylor. I've known him for a while. The other day, Taylor and I are, are having lunch with some friends, and he starts talking about how, well, I was hanging out with Pat Tanaka the other day. And at first I thought, I didn't hear him just say Pat Tanaka. He must be saying something else. And he said it again. And I went, wait a minute. Taylor, are you talking about the Pat Tanaka? And he goes, yeah. And I go, professional wrestler Pat Tanaka. Yeah. You were hanging out with him. What was he doing in town? He's like, he lives here. 
what? Are you kidding me? How did I not know this? So I'm really pumped to have Pat here today because, uh, yeah, I mean, I was uh, uh, born in the 80s, so we never had pay-per-view. So I knew wrestling characters through action figures. And then when I would go to friend's house and they had wrestling on, so I knew you from seeing stuff like that. And I loved, I was in a superheroes as a kid. So, you know, big, strong guys in, in crazy costumes with names and the entrance music and all this stuff that the pageantry that went along with it. I absolutely loved it, but I never had access to the pay-per-views until I was in like the seventh grade when the, the attitude era was going on with like rock and stone cold, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, I still have a very big fondness for that era of wrestling and the, the style of the costumes and just the way it was approached, you know, the interview styles. So one thing I wanted to make sure to ask you about today, as we're talking about, you know, this uh, wrestling school of yours is obviously there's, there's so much physicality and training that one has to go through to do something that's incredibly athletic. Are you also teaching people how to give sort of the smack talk interviews between matches? Because that's my favorite part is, is the absolute just, that that stuff that's funny you said that because i'll tell you why uh if you would ask vince or any <laughs> promoter that was ever out there about me giving an interview they'd probably knock you out <laughs> because they say just keep pat away from the mic please you know i i just could never do it okay. i mean it was one of my just i mean pet peeves was to go get in front of a mic and scream in front of a camera because I just couldn't do it. You know, they used to laugh at me. I mean, <clears throat> when I was in WWF, when it was WWF, it was me, Fuji, and Kato, or Sato, were doing interviews. And they would say, okay, Pat, this is what you got to, you know, get across that we're doing this and doing this with this opponent and this opponent. And all of a sudden you hear, take 107. <laughs> Orient Express, because I just couldn't do it. I'd sit there with my mouth open in front of a camera going, you know, I just, nothing would come out, you know, right. and I just couldn't do it, you know, and uh, it was just like, so, I, I mean, I was the worst. I mean, you okay. know, and they had told me, they said, Pat, they said, this is a chance for you to become you know, huge, if you could just get a rap down, man, you would be it, you know? I said, why? Well, I got Dallas Diamond Page. You know, <laughs> yeah. I've got Mr. Fuji, you know? Right, right. I got Paul Heyman. You know, I mean, I had the best managers in the world. What do I need to open my mouth for, right? You know, and, you know, uh, it, it came out to be where, you know, I just, my, my thing was making people look good in the ring. And... That's all I did, you know, and now that I opened up my school, you know, I have uh, Taylor Schatz. This guy's amazing. You know, I mean, what athleticism he has, yeah. you know, and then I even have a 14 year old. Okay. And I have him all the way up to 29, 30 years old. And I tell you what, <clears throat> you know, people can say what they want. It doesn't matter because Age has nothing to do with it except for, you know, if you're, you know, 45 like Dallas Simon Page started at that age. Right. And now he's one of the biggest superstars in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I say, man, if you want to do it, geez, man, it's your, if it's your passion, your love, who cares how old you are? Do it. Yeah. 
what's the worst thing that could happen? You're going to be in some damn good shape if you leave my camp. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's one thing about it. So you decide to open up this business, which is a school to teach people how to be a wrestler. It's right. not just wrestling. It's how to be right. a wrestler. Um, at, at any point, did you think, gosh, what happens if I open the doors and no nobody's there? Because you've had the exact opposite. From my understanding, is this right. is incredibly successful right off the bat. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, I, everybody has that fear of any kind of business, as you know, right? I mean, it just... Always, if it doesn't work, what are you going to do? You know, well, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, keep trying. You know, that's one thing about my life that, uh, you know, I've always had that determination. I don't care what it is. I have tattoos on the side of my head that, that mean, you know, what I'm saying now is fighting spirit. You know, I never give up. You know, hell yeah. You know, just keep going. I, I try. I, I, you know, do whatever I got to do to keep it going. You know, people. So it, because people realize that, you know, it's it's theater that's going out there. They a lot of people who just don't get into wrestling don't give credit to the amount of athleticism it takes to do that kind of theater. I mean, yes, it's not intentional, actual punches to the face, but you're going to get hurt either because of something they did or just part of how you have to do the move or something you have to do. It is intensely hard on your body. I think professional wrestlers go through more punishment in a year than most professional athletes do. And so, you know, what is there in your um, routine, I guess, that maybe helps with some of that rest and self repair at the same time, because you got to keep your body together as best you can right. while you're beating the crap out of it in the ring. Well, I mean, that's exactly why I have a school. <laughs> <laughs> so someday when I have to wrestle again, some kid doesn't come out and try to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, it's being in shape. It's, it's, uh, have, I don't know. Endurance is so important in the sport because of the longevity in the ring. You know, if I was to be so out of breath, I, I can't breathe and I go to do something, I'm so tired and my mind is working so hard that I might hurt you. Because yeah. I might let go of my control and I might hit you so hard I'm going to hurt you. Or do a move wrong and break your neck. Right. Or break your back or whatever, you know? So... Endurance is everything in this business, you know, so you're not too tired out there and your body doesn't give out while you're doing a move. And that's important. You know, people sit there and they laugh because they say, God, it looks so fake, you know, and I'm sorry, man. You know, if you get out there, I'll guarantee this. Anybody that wants to try this, come out to my ring or just come out to a wrestling mat or whatever. Amateur wrestlers are probably some of the toughest men in the world right? because of our training regimen, okay? When you fall on a regular wrestling mat, you can just trip and fall on a mat and probably won't hurt yourself too bad, okay? But I'm sorry. If you level out, I'd say five foot, okay, and level your body at five feet from the mat and just drop to the floor, 
guarantee you, you will not get up right away. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. if people don't realize that. It's not a natural act to throw your body on the ground, right? Right. Well, people don't realize that, man. They think, oh, it gives. You know, that ring gives. It has bouncing and whatever. Come on, man. No. For me and, like, other guys, I'm only 5'8", way under 200 pounds. I don't weigh, you know, 300 pounds or 400 pounds. That ring don't give for me. Mm. That mm. ring stops like a <laughs> cement floor when I hit it. Mm-hmm. And that's guaranteed, you know. And, and, you know, people have that misconception about, you know, oh, it's got a bounce to it. It does it. it I'm just telling you guys, it's, it hurts so bad if you're not prepared and if you don't know what you're doing. Do you ever get tired of having to have that conversation over and over about, like, stop pretending like this is just... Uh, um, uh, make them up. It's no big deal. We all walk away. It's just fine. Well, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I mean, when people, you know what irks me is when you got a couch potato, you know, that sits there and goes, "Oh, I could do that. I could do that." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and yeah. they never even tried. Armchair quarterback, basically. Right. Any kind of sport that I watch, and I hear a guy go. That guy sucks, or you know, that guy don't suck. He's nope. making out, yep. you know, he's in the million NBA, dude. <laughs> you mm-hmm. You're sitting on this thing watching him, right? You know, and 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 I know everybody gets into sports and they get mad because they're betting on it or whatever, and they're losing or whatever, or it's their team and they love him and you know whatever. Mm-hmm. We they got to remember, man, athletes. That's all they think about, all they do, all day long. Yep. When you take that away from them. Be careful. There's a wrath coming out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, I I just am, like, proud of athletes, you know, because of the dedication that they do, you know, that, that everything they put into it when they're young till they're, you know, in their prime. You know what I'm saying? A lot I, of people don't appreciate the fact that, you know, they see someone do a fall on, on stage <laughs> at, at, uh, for WWE or whatever, and they see it as a fall, but it's like, no, there are about 5,000 falls before that one that that wrestler did to be able to do that fall. Exactly. So you're not just seeing someone falling over. You're seeing someone who has done that so many times they can do it in their sleep and it's still dangerous. It's still painful. It's still going to be hard on your body to do. So, uh, and I think the fans of wrestling understand that they know it's, it's an act. They know it's theater. That's fine. It's fun. You're being invited to show up and, you know, pick one that you don't like and one that you do like, and you scream and stuff. Um, when the attitude era was going on. Um, so I had a buddy in, in, uh, junior high Frankie Escobedo who was really into wrestling and his parents were really into wrestling. And so, um, once a month, us and us, all of us kids, we'd go over to Frankie's house and we each bring five bucks to help pay for the pay-per-view. And then his mom would make this massive spread of authentic Mexican food. And then we, we were given permission to swear <laughs> and his parents would watch it with us and we would just scream at it. Cause that was degeneration X and his mom hated China. And so she was like, Oh, get, kick that, kick that, kick her butt, blah, 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 blah. And that was fun. It's just it's just a fun way to just have a good time and watch some people kick the crap out of each other exactly. in ridiculous costumes with awesome names and 
entrance music and Vince was really leaning into being the bad guy at right. that point. And he, he's so easy to hate Vince McMahon. Oh God. <laughs> so easy to hate him. It was easy for you to hate him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I know where you're coming from. I mean, <clears throat> People, I mean, if you do, you guys watch Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee. Oh yeah, kind of, I was a huge right? Bruce Lee fan. Okay, what's the difference? Nothing, exactly. You know, only they get fifty takes. Right, that's you true. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's one thing they rehearse. We don't. Never did we have time. Think about it. we're on the road. I had when I was in WWE. Uh, I think we had. Uh, I didn't know it at the time because I was so busy. I was on the road and just doing my thing every day. We had 12 days off a year. Wow. We had 30 days on, uh, 40 days. I'm sorry. 40 days on was a tour. Every day, twice on Saturday and Sunday. We had two shows on Saturday and Sunday. Okay. We were off for three days, back on for 40. Okay. And the same thing, twice on Saturday and Sunday. Okay, and no days off during the forty in the in the in the um, ninety days. Okay, I know it was thirty days on, three days off, forty days on, four days off, and then back to ninety. So that was year round. Oh man. Okay, so those are the days you had off during the year. Okay, so when do you have time? Because you get to the hotel, you eat, you go to the gym, you go train at the gym. And then, you know, you go to World Gym, Gold Gym, whatever. And then right after that, right to the arena. We had no time. Oh, and plus, you're probably doing press and publicity right. mixed in there, too. So it's like, we got to get you to this morning radio show, and then you got a piece on this television thing. Exactly. You know, so, I mean, when did you have time to rehearse the show? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. When someone says, how much time do you got to rehearse? I said, What's that? You know, I mean, we never got a rehearsal thing or anything. It was just, you know, as soon as you get to the arena, man, you know, uh, Vince does his thing. We go out there, 20 minutes, then we go home, you know, back to the hotel. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so, I mean, it wasn't like we had rehearsals or anything like that. And then even if you're watching Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee, you're always rooting for the bad guy. I mean, rooting for the good guy or the bad guy or whatever you want to do, right? And it's the same thing Mm -hmm. with ours. Ours is live or on TV and there's no rehearsing. It's a one-shot deal. Right, and me, Jackie Chan's doing fake fighting, but how many injuries does he sustain while doing that fake fighting? I mean, 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 come on, he's amazing. That is punishing physical work. There's no such thing as, you know, I mean... Uh, fake or whatever. This is just, man, we get hurt. We do our job. It's a job. Right. And rightly so, it's a job we love, you know? And that's what I'm trying to tell everybody here. And, you know, when I opened up the school, man, if you love it, try it, man. Mm-hmm. It's something that, man, you never know. So what if you're 30 years old, man? Get off your ass. Try it, mm-hmm. man. I mean, like I said, what's the worst that can happen? You can get in shape. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. God forbid. You know? It's amazing. You know, and I got a couple of your friends all the time. I see, yeah. you know, I, I so always talk. Pat, Pat's playing darts with Mikey Ward. Yes. Oh, um, I love Mikey guy, Ward. In Austin. He yeah. is no fun to play with. Is he really good? Because he's good. He's amazing. He's fantastic. That guy just, I mean, is, you know, I love playing against him because 
Uh, it like you get better, but I'm sorry, Mike, you're just way too good for me to get better against. <laughs> Austin's been playing dart since elementary Austin, school. Oh my god, these I guys, remember man. sixth grade Mrs. Lisko's class. Austin doing a presentation on throwing darts. Really? In sixth grade, he brought in a dartboard and just started doing it. And we were all amazed at how amazing Austin was at darts. It was 1996. God. <laughs> so he's still killing it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Austin, Jared Eckerd, you know, I mean, these guys, man, I mean, I, I was going, so you got regular jobs because you could make such a great living <laughs> at this. I mean, because, I mean, these guys don't miss. Right. You know, they're amazing. It's very I mean, demoralizing to play against Mikey. Holy mackerel. All <laughs> these, I, and, you know, <clears throat> I didn't realize what a big thing it was here. It's huge. Huge here. Yeah. Huge. And I tell you what, uh, I play darts all the time on leagues and things like that and tournaments here. And I tell you what, these are the best people I've ever met. Awesome. You know, I and... Honestly, I wouldn't go and do these things with these people if I didn't like them and really trust them because they are good people, man. They're pretty humble about it, too, I right. imagine, too. You got too. Clint Vetter. He's caught. This guy's unbelievable, too. I mean, you got some of the best people out there shooting darts here. I have never seen anything like it, man. I'm like, I mean, God, it's un unbelievable. But it's a blast. I love all these people, man. I, you know, and, uh, it's great time all the time. Man. You gotta bring one of them into your school and create some sort of dart throwing persona, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, bull, like like bullseye, like, just or, like the darts. You know, you know. <laughs> if I was still drinking, I tell you what, I, I <laughs> they probably already shoot me by now. But um, I, I really enjoy playing with all these guys, and and what I do is I wait it out and try to just stay in the tournament while these guys are drinking and playing, <laughs> because by the end of the night, if I could hang in there. They're so drunk they can't find the board. <laughs> yep. yep. They're calling them at board six and they're over at board fifteen somewhere. Well, and I love that. <laughs> maybe 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 be like Dennis and Dirk Dart. They're yeah. a tag team duo. And what they do is one of them throws the other one oh, at the opponent. Go. And that's like how they that. do it. And then when they hit, they go bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of you're like chopping them in the throat right before they yeah. shoot. When, when I, was, I remember watching, you know, the Attitude Era and being like, I don't want to be a wrestler, but man, would I love to write wrestling storylines. I would absolutely be totally into that. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you what. You know what I mean? We are going to be like running shows, you know, uh, in the future. Definitely. You awesome. know, I, we've already had people come out and ask about, you know, doing it at their venue and things like that. My God, man. And me, you know, my creativeness is already gone. Um, well, when you do a show, let us know. We'd love to come do a podcast at that show. Oh, I'd yeah. love to Just bring our mics too, and like be talking into the mics while we're watching and be like, like do it in a podcast. We're basically describing the, the, the wrestling carnage Bobby happening Heenan, between us. You know, yeah. Gorilla Monsoon right here, you know, <laughs> that'd be great. You know, Fantastic. I mean, those. So, Pat, I want to know, like, so you you grew up in a world of professional wrestling from your dad. Yes, so absolutely. So tell me, tell me, like, what your dad's experience was like. Well, my dad, because that's uh, a whole different era of professional wrestling. Absolutely. I mean, he was wrestling in the forties and fifties. Okay, and as you know, I mean, Pearl Harbor happened in forty three. Am I if I'm correct? Oh, nineteen forty three. So a promoter said to my old man, "Hey, you know, raise the Japanese flag." And I think my dad had to do a double take, you know, because he's from L.A. 
He's not. And, you know, at the time, well, this is, I think, in the late 50s or 60s when they did this. Because at the time of Pearl Harbor, my father was a, was a U.S. Marine. Okay. Okay. And they took him out of the U.S. Marines and put him in the concentration camp. Anybody that was Japanese. Did. Yep. Yeah. It's a horrible part of American history that we don't seem to want to talk about. Hell, if I was American, all. I would take my old man out real quick. You know, yeah. I yeah. mean, think about it. I mean, yeah, you don't it's, know. It's, it's disgusting that we did that. No, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I, I have to agree. You know, you don't know at that point sure. who's right. who. You're sure. afraid. You're afraid. We were a Absolutely. nation who was very afraid. Absolutely, man. And and they took out Hawaii. You know, yeah. I mean, come yeah. on, man. I mean, that's amazing. I was just like, God, you know, I mean, he did, you know, he was Japanese. You know, anybody would, you know. Right. Had to put away. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, uh, if I'm against it or what. It, it really, I'm not. You know, I was just like, you know, they had to be safe. And probably it saved his life from being in that my mother sense. and him. That's a very interesting way of thinking. Not about having to that, go huh? fight, fight in war. Yeah. Then at that point, I mean, point. they probably would have got killed if they were, right. you know, in the civilian life. Do right? you know how long he was in the camp for? No, I don't. I honestly, if I said anything, I, I you know, I Just really don't know. Okay, <clears throat> but uh, growing up then with my father, I think I went to a couple matches because at, when he raised the Japanese flag. People were trying to kill him after that. Uh, I remember Mm -hmm. that. It got serious. And then he moved us to Florida while he wrestled in Dallas. Okay. I was born in Houston, Texas. Okay. I know it says Honolulu, Hawaii. But (laughs) it was Houston, Texas. And um, uh, I remember that uh, I, I don't know why we moved to Florida, but uh, I loved it. And, uh, it was because I know that they were. My father was scared that something might happen to us, you know, because he was wrestling, you know, raising the Japanese flag, and it, it, like they used to have to take him in an ambulance to the arena, so no one knew that he was in that wow, you know, wow. in the arena yet. And uh, so, was he intentionally playing a heel at yeah, that point? Oh then? gosh, yeah, against Fritz von Erich. Oh, okay, Carrie's father, mm-hmm. you know, Kevin, and all of them. So we all grew up like family together. And, you know, gosh, you know, uh, what a tragic thing with them. You know, I mean, we, I loved all the Von Ayers. They were like family, you know, and we all grew up together. Um, and then for us, it was more like, and then when we moved to Florida, we never saw our father after that too much. You know, okay. he was always on the road. Uh, he would come home, you know, maybe for a week or two, and then he'd be gone three or four months, you know, come back. But, you know, uh, he was a great man. Yeah, we never asked for anything. You know, we never wanted for anything. You know, I mean, we really didn't. I mean, uh, he provided for us, and we grew up in a beautiful home on the water. We were lucky, very lucky. You know, my father was a, he saved his money, put all of us through school. I was in Catholic school from kindergarten all the way to high school. <laughs> You know, even though I don't know why. <laughs> you know, um, did did he want a a future for you in wrestling, or was he hoping that you were going to say like, "Dad, I'm gonna become a CPA"? If I would have became, he would have just been so happy. If I would have became a janitor, he would have been so happy. <laughs> you know, I he did not want me in this business. You know, he just knew I wasn't geared for it. You know, he is. 
isn't that amazing? Because we hear that story. It doesn't matter what the industry is of a father being like, don't follow in my footsteps. But when you see it, when you must have watched your dad in those matches, I can imagine like how amazing it would have been and been like, well, I want to do that too. Well, you know what? It wasn't that though. Really? I never watched wrestling. Really? Like never, it. ever. I thought it was fake. <laughs> <laughs> I was an amateur wrestler since I was a kid, right? Amateur in judo. Okay. And uh, I, man, uh, I was so serious about it, you know, since I was a kid and stuff like that. And I used to... You know, watch. Oh man, are you kidding me? I'll kill that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, I never knew what athletes they really were. I mean, you had Danny Hodge. Mm -hmm. He was all American. Uh, you know, and you had uh, all these amateur wrestlers in there. Flair, everybody. You know, were great amateurs. You know, Kurt Angle. Jesus Christ. You know, there are animals in there. You know, you got Haku, the toughest man in the world. You know, right there. So, I mean, it was different growing up in the business because we had all the Japanese uh, wrestlers from New Japan. Mm -hmm. They lived with us. They could, would come down for maybe seven months, live with us for seven months, and then go back to Japan. So it was really cool then, you know, I mean, to have, you know, people come and live with us all the time. You know, Masao Hattori was my judo teacher. He lived with us. Okay. You know? Um, Judo's no joke. I mean, judo... My dad, who you just met a few minutes ago, uh, has a first degree black belt in judo and used to teach it at the YMCA years what? ago. Yeah, Your dad? Yeah, he used to. It's, years ago, he taught uh, judo. He hasn't no done way. it for a very long time now. But um, So I remember going to, watching his judo classes and demonstrations. I don't think he ever competed in judo. It was pretty much just classwork. But, um, but he, I remember him describing to me just concepts of, uh, you know, how, how to fall correctly, how to try to absorb part of the, the, you know, into your back and stuff. And I would assume that that helps inform your wrestling. In professional wrestling, if you watch carefully, everybody falls judo, judo style. style. Especially my students. I make them do it over and over and over. And if your father, that's amazing. I love your father. He yeah. was awesome. You and him what will have so, you guy. guys got to get together. You guys will have so much to talk about. Great guy. Yeah. My God, he was amazing. You know, and um, I, I, you know, what I'm doing now is teaching pro wrestling, but I would love to teach judo if there was an interest. Oh, wow. You know, and that's one of my things, you know, um, I just would love to do that. But uh, as you were saying, like, I never watched professional wrestling. I, I always downed it, everything. And I asked my dad plainly one time. And back then, you got to understand, it was the worst. Don't ever say it to a wrestler. Is it fake? Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I said, Dad, I could, come on, man, your job. I mean, it's just acting is fake. And I have never been hit so hard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, is that fake? <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh, man, you know, I go, no, but you really hit me. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, those are the things I mean about, you know, back then. I grew up in that era of wrestling where you did not say things like that to a wrestler, you know. Um, yeah, was they, they wouldn't even publicly acknowledge in print or anything that it's theater, even though everyone knew that it was. It, but it was it was a while before, until like that stigma was kind of broken and please correct me if I'm wrong here. The story that I had heard was that Vince started, they started acknowledging that um, 
no, it's not a sport. It's entertainment exactly. to avoid having to deal with the commission. Absolutely. Okay. And we were, I don't know, it was mixed feelings all around because, you know, um, when he had done that, we were walking through the airport. I can remember this so clearly. We're walking through the airport and we look over and we see Vince on TV. So everybody's like, what is he doing? You know, what, what's going on? You know, and he announced that it was, a, it was entertainment, not real. And we we had protected the business. We had gone to jail, you know, for for sticking up for our business. Wow. Think about it. Fights mm-hmm. in a bar, fights all over because, you know, really? You're going to sit here and call me a fake to my face? You know, and, you know, the guys would fight over that, you know, and go to jail, you know? So that was, like, really hard for us to I have to, to take swallow. a phone call, but you okay. guys keep going. Yeah. So at what point do you decide this is going to become, this is going to become my career? I like this enough. I'm having hopefully a good enough time right. that I want to make this my career. Well, because, I mean, what happened was, you know, um, I I love to be on the road with the guys and things like that. So my father used to take me all around when he wrestled. So I wanted to travel all the time. Oh, okay. So what happened was when I was really young, I was still in grade school, I would help him set up the ring. You know, might well help whoever mm-hmm. was uh, set up the ring. And then when I became old enough, I think I was like 11, 12, 13 years old, I became a referee. And that's what hooked me. You know, uh, it just was amazing, you know, to get out there and perform for all these people. And they let me in on the secret of the business. You know, it was like a responsibility that I had, you know, that they gave me. And they said, you need to take this to the grave. This is so secretive. And this is so like, you know, don't ever tell anybody about this. You know, it was very like, I mean, like mafia type stuff, you know, Uh, we had our own way of talking, things like that, you know, so. It was so you had like you had like a lingo so that you could let exactly. people know like what's is so I might hear it and think you guys are just sort of talking gibberish or it doesn't mean anything right. to me but you guys are really giving some trade secrets exactly. back and forth oh that's interesting you know we used to talk you know uh, carny in fact you know I don't know if you've ever heard that term carny uh uh-uh. uh carny is how carnival people talk. Oh, really? Yes. You know, back in the day when they used to do their shows and things like that. And uh, uh, it was just amazing how you talked and things like that. And someday I'll teach you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's cool. Yeah. So wrestling becomes a part of your life and you become part of what essentially becomes the biggest sport in the world. You know, I'm sure you could go into any, any airport in the cut or in the world right now. And you'd have a couple people come up and be like, Pat, Pat, Pat Tanaka. And do they want to be put into a headlock? No. Like what, 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 what do know, your honestly, fans want? Honestly, guys, I mean, uh, how do I say this? I mean, I, honestly, I mean, I'm not a big name in this business. I mean, I'm a big name too. I would say wrestlers because, um, not for just, Fans. I mean, fans don't really know who I am. The only reason they know who I am is because, I mean, uh, I I guess that I wrestled pretty much a long time in this business. But as a, you know, uh, 
like a wrestling icon, I wasn't. You know, to wrestlers that wrestle, like they always like, you know, uh, like said, man, you know, how do you do that? How do you do it? You know, because how do I explain? Um, I guess I was like the pioneer for small wrestlers. You know, uh, nobody was my size in WWE. I was the smallest to ever go in there because, I mean, everybody was over 300 pounds, you know, 6'3", 6'4". Me, I was 5'8", man. You know, I was 175, 160 pounds going in there. Nobody, nobody was like, you know, oh, my God, you know, what is he doing here? Is he going to wrestle the midgets? <laughs> you know, so I mean, it was different for me. I, and I, I do think you're selling yourself a little bit short because I've talked to a couple of people telling them like I get to do this interview, and they're like, "What? What? What? What?" No. And so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think you know maybe the casual wrestling fan, you know, might have trouble placing it, but the people who were dedicated, the people who grew up with wrestling and love wrestling even still to this day and are passing it on to their children and, you know, say like, gosh, you know, I've, I've got this cup that at one point was held by somebody and they took a drink out of it before they spit it in somebody else's face. And I, you know, it looks just like a styrofoam cup to everyone else, but this cup's got history. <sighs> Those are the people I think who remember and wrestling fans are, avid fans like you meet someone who loves baseball we had a, a guest uh, tucker's uncle paul mcdonald who knows wrestling or uh, excuse me baseball stats all the way back to the 20s oh, and wow. can tell you like you know this player did this and this year and i think wrestling fans are the same because they were consuming so much wrestling stuff you know th there were magazines that were solely about wrestling and television specials and then they said well let's get the wrestling world into hollywood and you know let's be you know put right. them into movies and so i think that there's there's a world out there of people who really do that deep dive and 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 everything gets to be an important part of it and then the fact that i've noticed that wrestlers find a career that kind of bubbles out from their wrestling career. So like you're open, you open your school, right. right? And so it's not like at one time you're like, well, I'm retiring. I'm done. I'm out of the game. No, no, no. You change. And now you've got the next generation who are going to come from you. That's got to be exciting. Yes, it is very exciting, man. Because, you know, there's a lot of guys I've trained in this business that are like superstars now, you know, and, uh, it's just, I didn't, I mean, I can't take credit for everything, but I mean, what I did was, man, I helped with the career, you know, along and things like that. But um, mostly is, you know, um, like I'm losing my train of thought, but like training people and things like that. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen like indie shows and things like that. There's, you know, some great indie wrestlers and I've seen some great, indie shows but i've also seen some of the worst oh interesting and there's a lot of guys out there even the guys that were on top at one time that trained people and it and not downing them but they don't have the patience they don't they don't care as much about their product what they put out there to put in the ring um me uh, i i'm like man i won't let you go out there if you look like a, you're a half asshole. I want you to look, I mean, the best. You know, I don't want, I want people, when your first match, I don't want people to say, God, you know, is that his first match? 
No, I want people to say he might be. He had to have been wrestling for a while. You know, I mean, that's what I want. You know, and uh, I think sometimes you know my students look at me when I make them do it a thousand times. You know, they're looking at me going, "God, we, we get it, we get it." You know, you know, and but you know what? When they don't do it perfect, I said you don't get it. You know, and, and I want them to to like look like me you know yep. <laughs> when they go out there and wrestle that you know i mean not like me but when I, I want them to feel like you know so comfortable out there that you know they wrestle like their rock or whoever you know yeah those are you know my uh, what do you call it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's like the goals, right? Like right. these are the goals we've set for you. And I like that idea of like you go out there and you're comfortable. You know, you you go out there and you're not running purely on adrenaline or purely on nerves. You're going out there because you know what you're going to do. You know what's expected of you. Exactly. And so whether the stands have 10,000 people in them or it's just you watching off to the side coaching, it's the same experience. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I looked at some of my first matches and I was like, God, I was so lost. And I and I was like, I looked awful. And, I, you know, I just never knew, you know, I wish I could have seen myself, you know, back then when I was out there. But what I'm trying to say is I want my guys to look, you know, impeccable when they step in that ring, you know. And it's kind of asking a lot, but, you know. So... What give me give me a, like a highlight from from your career something where you're like dang tonight like this night was something that really changed the way you thought about wrestling or this was like one of the proudest moments you ever had. Um, gosh, you know, um, huh? My drinking and playing around, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> kind of erased I, a lot of yeah. memories. <laughs> 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 Or took over him, you know. Um, I think, uh, pro well, I mean, because everybody that that pretty much meets me or comes up to me and says, "Hey, I watched your career," or whatever. I mean, the first match that comes out of their mouth is, you know, Royal Rumble '91. Um, uh, we, I guess, we uh, are noted for that match. Yep. Because against the uh, Rockers, you know, uh, we were only supposed to go three minutes. And when we were walking out, they told me, hey, we need 30. You know, added on 27 minutes to a match, you know, when we thought yeah. we were going to be all drinking by three or four minutes. You know? <laughs> and uh, it was like, uh, I don't know, they say it was one of the best matches they ever saw, you know, and. Uh, Still today, I mean, it's one of our, uh, like Shawn Michaels says, probably one of the best matches we ever had. And, you know, Marty Gennetti says it and my partner and everybody. I mean, it, it was just one of those things, you know, because we've been working with the Rockers after that. For, I mean, before that, we've worked with them for years and years and years, you know, and people don't realize that, you know, they just thought we were only working WWE together. You know, no, we worked you know, way back in the day, you know, so it's different, you know. Do you have a, any passions beyond wrestling? Anything that you really love to do or, or consume in any way? Well, if you ask Kathy, probably darts. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, oh, you know, I, I, I just, I'm a torturer over that, you know. And uh, Mikey and all those guys, man, I just love hanging out with them, you know. They're really good guys, Mikey's man. Mikey's good They're, stuff. I've got some really great are. Mikey stories, too, from high school. Oh, so, man, you so, definitely have to tell me those, So man. Mikey Ward, so I've known Mikey since middle school, um, made this this stupid movie in high school called Resolex that he was an actor in where his character is shirtless the entire time just because we decided that's what he was going to be. Um, but Mikey was that friend in school where he was totally up to do anything if it made you feel better. If you're a friend of his and he's like, oh, what's, what's wrong? Are you down about something? What can I do to, to help it? And I remember, I remember one day, this is when he was still playing football and uh, on game day, the football coach would make them all show up uh, in dress shirts with ties and, and to look nice. And I was out in the cafeteria. It's like 8 a.m. The cafeteria is full. It's the morning. Everyone's getting there. I'm having something's wrong. I'm a teenager. I don't know. Something's bothering me. And Mikey comes up and he's got this shaggy, like caveman hair and this tie and he looks all sharp and he goes, Hey buddy, what's up? What's wrong? And I'm like, ah, Mikey, I'm not having a good day. And he goes, well, what could I do to, to help you feel better? Is there anything I can do? And as a joke, I said, yeah, if you jumped up on this table and ran all the way down to the end, cause they were these long tables and then just jump off the end. And he goes, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and he just leaped up, boom, on the table, like a caveman. <laughs> And he runs down the length of the table, just stepping on people's food <laughs> and their books are knocking off, jumps off the end. Not a single adult saw him do it. The whole, like the whole school, the kids, we all saw him do it. Not a hall monitor, not a lunch lady, not a janitor, not a teacher, not a, the, he got off scot-free and it made my day. And he would he would do these things because he realized that anytime he could make a public scene, it made me laugh. <laughs> and so <laughs> we were another situation like that. We're sitting there. I don't think I was having a bad day, but he wanted to be goofy. And our friend Chelsea Penuel was sitting across from us and he <laughs> he, he grabs her foot and takes one of her sneakers off <laughs> and then starts to smell it. <laughs> and she goes, Mikey, give it back. <laughs> And he starts screaming at the top of his lungs. No, no. Oh my God. Chelsea's trying to get her, her shoe back from him. Oh my God. So Mikey would do stuff like that all the time. You know, it's funny. Um, you think about all your friends and you're like, but you know, since I met Mikey, met his girl, I uh, met um, Jared. Um, uh, who else? Lester. I mean, all these guys, you know, and Austin, they don't realize what charisma they have. I mean, if you think about it, you know, who stands out in your mind when you meet, you know? Right. You got, I mean, to me, it was like, you know, uh, you know, Mikey Ward, uh, Jared Eckert, you know, these guys all have such charisma. They don't realize. So that's why. Like Jared Ecker, I, I said, man, you need to train. You need to come to my school. You need to do this. I went and saw a play of his, and I was just floored. Yeah. You know, I hate plays. <laughs> I hate going to that stuff. 
But I was amazed at his. You know, I was like, I can't believe this is so interesting and good. I mean, I didn't fall asleep. I was like, wow, this is cool. You know, because honestly, I went to a couple plays and I was like, yeah, plays are fake. And I've seen the uh, fake. You know, I've seen the like the pros. You know, the ones that you got to pay to get in. You know, big money. You know, and I was just. Uh, we get those fake glasses with the eyes in yeah. there. You're like, come sleep. on, someone body slam somebody. Yeah. <laughs> come on, I'll drive that guy. I was ready to super kick him, you know? <laughs> anyway, I mean, uh, but these people have charisma, man. And it's amazing because I guess Fargo is such a small town. You don't have a lot of talent scouts out here and things yep. like that. Well, I'm your first one, you know, nice. and I'm going to make you uh, Fargo proud of somebody that they're going to be a superstar oh, yeah. and i'm thinking you know uh jared's little brother you know van he's amazing that kid man i love him you know and then i've got new kid taylor taylor's awesome i got another uh north high school kid that's uh justin banker you know justin banker uh he it's ringing he a bell. To, yeah, he's about your age, I would imagine. Goodness, uh, he, he was. Let's remember, I think he was in. Uh, yeah, he knew Austin. Okay. All of them. Okay. Um. So you know, he's he's, you know, about 29, 30 years old. So I mean, but you know what? Athleticism is everything, man. He is an athlete, you know. And I've got some uh, Levi, this kid, man. Oh, my God, man. I thought for sure because he, he was so shy, you know, at the beginning. Now he's running this class, you know. Nice. Yeah, nice. I love it. You know, it brings out people, you know. Got Brandon, this kid now, man. He, oh, my God. Uh, and then I just signed a new kid, and, and we'll see how he does. But I think this kid, Logan, is going to be something else. Six foot three around there. Right. There are always people out there who, you know, they're looking for like, what's my thing? What's the place where I belong? Where's my people? You know, like the, the people I want to hang out with and, and gyms, um, you know, gym culture and training together and finding a, a particular sport or something to dive into. Um, people just find camaraderie there um, that, that I think for a lot of people is the best part. Like that's like the primary reason they want to do it is because they love the people they're hanging out with. Uh, you actually get a lot of that with UFC. They do a lot of behind the scenes video right? and you realize that, yeah, these, these men and women, they're out there kicking the crap out of each other every day, but then the next day they're training together, right? you know, and giving each other pointers and spotting each other. And, and uh, it's for the love of the sport. It's to keep everything going, to keep it alive and show you that we're not, animals were there to help everybody yep. you know um and 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 that's that's the key to everything you know you don't i don't know it's just you know uh, uh like ufc they think it's such a brutal sport that you have to be a psycho to be in it right it's got that stigma you know where the guys are psychos mm -hmm. and they don't care about anything. Psycho couldn't make people. it in that world because no. you need discipline. You need, you need intelligence. Exactly. You know, you get somebody like that that's going to be in UFC, they'll be in prison in like a week. Right. It, right? They go all kill people. Khabib wouldn't have gotten to where he's at if he was a psycho. Exactly. Right? The fact that he's so good is because he's cold and calculated and not loose in that way. And that he's put in the hours. And that's why he's so dominant on the, on the ground because he's like, I, I have done this in every single combination 
thousands of times when he's, you know, working with his dad and his brothers in their home gym. Um, I've heard, I've heard stories just from like listening to Rogan's podcast and stuff about how Khabib's training regimen is insane because he's at a level now where he's got, you know, five or six, you know, training partners, sparring partners or what, what have you. And they're not striking. They're mostly doing wrestling, but they go, they go full bore and he'll, he'll wrestle one of them in a submission and they go, okay, next one. And their, their goal is to try to submit him. They're not doing like, uh, you see these, these, uh, you know, dojos with fake karate masters who get their, their students to kind of, uh, mm-hmm. uh, kind of go limp when they're, when they're working with the, with the sensei versus him where he's like, come at me and try to pin me. And they just can't do it. He'll do six of them and he'll be ready for like another one right after that. And that is absolute craftsmanship and dedication to what you're doing. That's, that's just fantastic. You know, so I, I've got a, a question about athleticism for you. Do you think athleticism is something like a, a, a skill that people are born with, or is it something that if you have enough determination, you can become? So for example, uh, I'm awkward in my body all the time. I mean, I have my athleticism begins and ends with me being able to put my socks on without falling over. But if I've got the drive and determination, do you think anyone can become an athlete if they are driven enough for it? Absolutely. I don't believe in people that that say that, well, I'm not really athletic or anything. It doesn't come like that, man. You know, it doesn't come. It doesn't come it, it's not something that happens to your body all of a sudden. It takes work. Yeah, it's a choice you have to make to pursue. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I see people with no legs that are so amazing. I mean, it just is beyond me, the drive that they have to do the things that they can do. I mean, you see it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, a couple of wrestlers, only one leg, still can dive off the top, land on their feet, and do incredible moves, and you wouldn't even know they don't have a leg, you know, if they didn't and they didn't point it out. You know, mm-hmm. it's amazing. So I mean, I believe anybody can do anything that they put their mind to. You know, that's reasonable. You know, yeah. I mean, everything has. You know, you right. Know. I mean, there might be someone with, you might have some advantages depending on genetics in some way, but that's not the deciding factor. You right. know, Bruce Lee was tiny. He was like five three, five four, um, right. and he was still a dominant killer. And he was made of steel, and that wasn't because he was born that way. Oh. He made a choice to pursue that. He committed to it. He found new ways to do it, and he he had the right mindset to get to that level. And JJ, you don't give yourself enough credit for your athleticism because even with with your size, you are incredibly nimble. And strong. I've seen you like jump over fences and stuff in pursuit of someone breaking, you know, like you've got a lot more that you can do than than you're willing to say. You know, it's like this. I don't care if you want to be a professional wrestler. I don't care if you just want to just be a regular person, you know, out here just doing athletic things with other guys. You want that, man. You come train with me. It's not about wrestling. Get right on that mic. Just get a little closer. It's not about wrestling. It's about, you know, just having the drive to do something. To complete something. You want to go out there and play basketball with your friends. You want to go out there and play football with your friends, tag, whatever. I don't care. You come out. I'll show you what to do. You know, and I'll help you with it. 
And after that, you tell me whether you wasted your time or not. I don't think you will. I mean, anything that you do for your body is not a waste of time. That's a really good way to put that. Mm-hmm. That's a really good way to put well, that. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, just trying, you know, and getting out there and doing even half the things I ask you to do, you're going to get better at whatever you want. So somebody's listening to this in Connecticut right now, let's say, and they want to they want to become a student. So they're willing to move to Fargo, North Dakota to become a student of Pat Tanaka. Are you accepting new people? Absolutely. I've got people from Mississippi that have been wrestling for five years. I got uh, two people from Louisiana moving up here and Mississippi, and they've all been wrestling for a while. But they want to, that's my thing, polishing up people, making them so they're crisp wrestlers, you know, that's how I help a lot of guys. Very cool. Now, when you structure, and I apologize if you guys cover this, I had to leave the room to take a phone call for a moment. Um, so when you structure classes, I, I growing up here, we're very used to hearing of martial arts classes that have like a belt tier system and things like that, you know, ways to graduate to a next level or to say you've completed the course. What sort of... Uh, syllabus or metric do you use to gauge the progression of a student and you know what does it mean for a student to have quote-unquote completed a course in wrestling if with your class or is there it, is none there is none no i mean i think when you have your first match you know is when you haven't graduated but you're there you know to learn a lot more because i still haven't graduated i'm still learning every day You know, I mean, I have to go back and I have to watch a lot of stuff, you know, online today, you know, because wrestling changes every year and everything changes every year. I know. But what I'm saying is, oh, my God, wait, Uh, I'd say in the next 10 years, WWE or whoever the company is in is going to go back to old school. I believe it. Because, you know, I mean, there's only so much you can do when you're uh, doing shows because, you know, the finishes are, you know, so incredibly crazy now. The next level of beating somebody, you have to get a shotgun or a cannon and kill them. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, you can't do that. So you have to go all the way back to start. Square A, start all over again and train the new fans this is how we do it, right. and this is what a new finish is. Right. I, I, I miss that sort of old school style of character building, too. So recently, I went and picked up WrestleMania, the album, which I found at a thrift shop for, uh, for a dollar. Oh, my God. Which, by the way, is amazing. <laughs> um, but on it, like, the Big Boss Man is credited as one of the artists on this thing, right? I remember seeing Big Boss Man in the cop uniform with the Billy Club coming in. Honky Tonk Man. I, obviously, Undertaker is still still around, but he was you know, a a primary part of that ultimate warrior, macho man, Randy Savage, Andre, the giant, these, these, there's a very specific kind of way that they would approach it. Then now you see a lot of wrestlers who are fashioned more after UFC style fighters. There are, they're, they're, they're leaner builds, you know, that it's not the same kind of body type you're seeing, which I think is sort of an era change, but I, I kind of want to see people with that older school body style, just 
smacking into each other, you know, <laughs> taking a taking a fucking chair to the head. Right. <laughs> Excuse me, but um, you know, <laughs> I, like that that to me is when professional wrestling imprints it on my brain. And that's the kind of stuff I wanted to see, you know, Yokozuna coming out and just like flattening someone out. Um, what was the clown's name? Um, doink. 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 Come on. Doink the clown. That's fantastic. That's, that's the characters that I want to be able to see. And uh, yeah, this is a great album. <laughs> I don't know why they decided to make it, but WrestleMania, the album. Did you see the movie, The Wrestler? I did. What did you think? Well, amazing. Do you think they got it right? Get you right on that mic again there. Oh, uh, it was an amazing movie. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure the timelines on it, but I believe there are, like, this is, be, I, I think it would be more of the territories Yeah, when he was there, what they were talking about, than Vince McMahon when he took over the world. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was probably like a lot of territories at that time with him. And that movie is what I'm trying to say. Because like when he became like uh, a superstar, it was back like in the 70s. So the 80s started booming. Right? Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm trying to explain because it's hard to explain. Because I don't know. I mean... Someone of his caliber, like a Hulk Hogan, he was supposed to be portraying Hulk, I would imagine, you know, because mm-hmm. that was like a big name. But they didn't have WWE at that time. Right. What they're trying to say in that movie. And so he was in the 60s and the 70s, and he came out broke in the 80s. And there was really not a WWE to go to where your residuals are going to be there, your royalties and all that. So, I mean, they got it spot on. Because our world of wrestling is I mean you know I'm embarrassed to say sometimes but it is it was all about drugs it was all about women it was all about you know just having a good time being the most irresponsible person you could try to be putting the pedal to the metal and just burning the candle trying to be a rock star and failing miserably you know it was just one of those things you know we were in that stigma that day you know and I tell you, uh, well, when you talk about the work schedule that you guys had, it's not it's not a surprise to me because you gotta you guys still have some sort of a life outside of the ring. But when they're telling you like, nope, nope, you got forty days, you got four right. days, and then we're gonna give you three days, and on those three days, we really we need one of those days to be a presser for this next thing that's going on. It's gotta be tough. It's ridiculous. I mean, uh, you know, I loved it because you know the money you made. The freedom you had, okay, but also it took away from any kind of life you'll ever have, you know. So I mean, now you know it's geared towards people that want to make money and get out of the business, mm, right? They want to do the Dwayne the Rock Johnson thing, go do wrestling, and then become a right. movie star and and parlay that into other success. Right, right, right. You know, and uh, I have lost so many friends; it just kills me. You know, I mean. You hear all the names that we've lost over the few years, you know. Yeah, I just lost one of my best best friends. It was Jim Neidhart. And, mm-hmm. You know, God, it was hard to, you know, lose him. He, uh, you know, we, we lose touch with all our guys, you know, with everybody. And, and you know, 
And uh, Jimmy, I talk to, you know, every year a couple times, you know, and we always stayed close and you know, things like that. But, you know, it was hard losing him. I forgot to mention Jake the Snake, who um, just, you know, kind of uh, recently uh, fans did a fundraiser for him so he could get a surgery that he needed. And his res- it was really beautiful watching his response going, wow, they they still love me. Like the, I, I matter to these people. I don't know. Jake the snake was one of my favorites because I loved the name Jake the snake. Just that concept. I, it's, it's fantastic. He had a, he had a boa constrictor with him usually. And then he just go into the, into the ring and kick ass. Yeah. And so, wow. We and Jake, I remember were get close to that. In mic Flor- again. Oh, I'm sorry. You're Me good. and Jake were in Florida together back in 1978. I think it was. You know, I was a referee, and he was just starting. It was fun. He was a blast. You know, and uh, then after that, I left Japan and then came back. Who do I run into as soon as I start with NWA? I started with him again. <laughs> you know, it was great, you know. So, so of, you know, of the guys you worked with, um, w- would there be one of them who you thought, now that dude is an athletic specimen, like someone that you just thought, wow, like this person is incredibly impressive with, you know, feats of strength they can do. Or was there someone that you thought kind of stood out more to <clears throat> well, you? Legion of Doom, of course. They were like, you know, like incredible specimens, you know, for strength and the way they looked. Incredible. Uh, athleticism, Shawn Michaels, Mark Gennetti. Shawn Michaels, by far, out of anybody in this business was the greatest professional wrestler I've ever met. You know, I worked with him, I don't know how many years. Uh, People don't like Sean too much when they meet him, you know, because he's an asshole. But. Sure, that has nothing to do with athleticism, though, right? Zero. Yep. How, I don't know, but, you know, um, he was uh, probably the greatest wrestler I ever wrestled. Absolutely, by far. And, uh, but, you know, like I said, I mean, has nothing to do with, you know, I mean, anything else. But Shawn Michaels was probably, I mean, his timing, everything, he even had the arrogance, you know, that he, that he put on TV. You really didn't have to act, um, <laughs> you know, but also he was a good guy. You know, I, I, you know, we got along for years. We had great matches and, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to be with them, you know? So my favorite one to watch during attitude was mankind. Um, oh my God. What a great guy. Wow. He seems like it with interviews awesome and stuff. He just seems like such a genuine, nice guy, but cool. the, the punishment he put his body through yeah. to do that. I remember watching him, um, in that barbed wire cage match where he fell from the top of it just onto the cement floor out of the ring. Right. Like, how did you survive that? And it's funny you say that because he came up to me one time. He goes, I don't know how you do it, man. You fall the way you fall all the time. I'm looking at him going, what is wrong with you? What do you do? <laughs> I said, my God, yeah. man. I said, hell, I'm still alive here. <laughs> I don't know how you are, you know, because that guy was nuts. I mean, he took a shovel to the face as hard as they could, you know, and I was like, what is wrong with that guy? He told him to hit him as hard as he could over the face with a shovel. It was plastic, 
But who cares? That plastic still shovel hurts. still hurts. Yeah, it didn't break at full speed in his face. I went, oh god. Are those are the chairs made of thinner metal, or are they just regular aluminum chairs? Oh my god, bro! I mean, if you ever been hit by a just a regular steel chair, the ones that we get hit with, uh huh. I, I I have not. They tell you, do not let up on it. I mean, they say hit me as hard as you can. I don't want to look too cheesy, fake, anything. And I bent one over Axe's head one time. As hard as I could, I hit him as hard. And he didn't want me to, but that was my first match in WWF. And they said, these guys didn't want to wrestle me, you know, and stuff. But they were, you know, they we got along and everything. But, you know, I don't blame them. You know, they didn't want to get beat by a little guy, you know. You know, these guys were huge. They were top. They were world champions. They didn't want to lose to me. Mm-hmm. And so I said, man, I said, I'm, I promise I'll make it look great. I said, I won't, you know, let it, I'll hit you as hard as I can. I'll do whatever. And I remember one of them screaming and saying, get away from me. Because I was hitting them <laughs> so hard with the chair. And they were going, stop, get away from me. You know, and I, it was so funny. All the other guys were just laughing in the dressing room so hard at them because, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, I guess I lost, you know, concentration you know, or whatever. And I was just beating this guy to death with a chair and he's going, get him off, bro. <laughs> you know, and uh, it was funny. You yep. know, I mean, I had a blast back then, but God, you know, I know that there was like steel chairs and tacks and all that kind of stuff. There's nothing magic about it. Really. Yep. You get hit with them, you get hit. Yeah. You know, um, they've been over my back. They've been over my head. So, I mean, you know, there was nothing. I just remembered this was the burning question I wanted to bring up. I've been wondering this for a while. I can't remember when, where it was. I read this article once someone did about wrestlers court. And the, the way the article wrote it was that amongst the wrestlers, if there was some sort of uh, beef between two for whatever reason, that the sort of wrestlers only court would be convened in some back room. And it was typically undertaker presiding and that each one would give their version of whatever, just the wrestlers were allowed in the room, no one else. And then an under, undertaker, whoever was sort of officiating would give a judgment. And then they would typically, if you lost the judgment, you would owe like him a bottle of wild Turkey or something. And the other person like a bottle of wild Turkey or what, what have you. And then it was squashed. Like that was it. The wrestlers took care of it themselves. Is there any truth to that? Not that I know. Not that you know of. Okay. I need to dig up this. Cause when I read the article, I thought this is fascinating to me. That it might've been, um, like in the 2000s when I wasn't there, but not that I've ever heard of. And do you think that they, do you think wrestlers would get together in a room and have a civil conversation like that and then just, you know, shake hands and go their separate ways? Or do you see it as more like, I don't know, like let's, you know, let's no, duke this I, thing out. Back when I was there, I mean, it was just like if someone had to be with somebody else, their eyebrows would be shaved the next day or their half of their head be shaved off. More like a summer camp. Oh, yeah. It would be awful. I mean, you wake up and you're, you know, no eyebrows, no hair on your head, you know, and you're going, oh, my God, you know. You know, your gimmick's gone, you know. Uh, it happened a lot. God, you know? my name was Eddie Eyebrows. What yeah, am I supposed to do exactly, now? Exactly, you know. I, I bet no one ever did that to The Rock. 
because uh, the eyebrow was very important to his shtick. Well, no one did. I know that he did a lot of ribs on the rock, you know, but uh, I don't think anybody got his eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, but there was a lot of ribs going on back then. A lot of them, you know. I mean, we used to call it ribs, you know, joking mm-hmm. around. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. So a lot of people don't understand that rib thing. They're going, what? What is ribs? Then let me show you. <laughs> well, and you, you've got to do that, right? Like right. you're these are the people you're working with day in, day out. Oh my god! You gotta have some fun, right? And we used to do it to each other all the time. I have had my eyebrows shaved so many times, <laughs> half of my head. My goatee was half. I mean, yeah, it's just happened a lot, you know. And and we've got our share, you know. I remember one time, I uh, who was it? I. I Super kick somebody, and I said, go down. As soon as I super kick you, I'm going to cover you. And they said, okay. I super kicked them, and they were huge, I remember, because they rarely ever took a bump for, you know, someone my size. So I said, please, I'm going to super kick you, give you my finish, and then I'm going to cover you. And they said, okay. So I did it, and I said, now look at the ceiling. Like that, and they look at the ceiling, and there's a guy taped to it doing this, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and this is the top of the uh, what were we, where were we at? at the Philly uh, Spectrum, and that's a high ceiling, man. We duct taped him to the top of the. Oh my god, he had never. Oh, he had to roll out the ring under the under the ring and just laugh so hard. Oh my god, you know we had the best time. You really did, you know. We had the greatest times of our lives, no doubt. Well, you know, Pat, if you're inspiring someone who wants to have some of these times, if they want to have wrestling to be part of their future, or they're just they're just ready to make that change in their life, because as you said, anybody can do it. In a worst case scenario, you come out of this thing in great shape. How do they get a hold of you to start this training process? Well, I tell you what, you can go on to Tanaka Productions on Facebook. Or just look me up, Patrick Tanaka on Facebook. Um, we're at Barbo's Boxing Gym right off of 34th Street and 7th. And I tell you what, uh, just come out and try it. My God, you know, and like I said, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, right. I mean, you know, you're not going to get a disease. You know, you're not going to come out of there with broken legs. You know, come out of there, you know, maybe with a new career. Those Ta- are my two worries. Taylor, Being be a gentle to leg. them. Yeah. Be gentle to them, Taylor. <laughs> be nice to them when they come in. Uh, they don't have your muscles yet. Yeah. Pat, I mean, we could talk for another like 25 yeah. hours, but let's save that for the next time we have you on the program. And hopefully it'll be at one of your you know shows, one of your events. Man, I'm looking forward to it. I love that. Thanks for taking some time with us today, man. Man, it was an honor. Thank you guys for having me. Loved it. You guys are cool as shit. Next <laughs> time, man, you guys got to come out to my gym. Yes. Come out and train with me sometime, man. Yeah, my I, God. I'm, I'm feeling inspired. If, Maybe if, Tucker and I will become like I'm a duo. You. And if they need any help with storylines, I can definitely <laughs> help. Oh, yeah, I need that, that as well, man. Guys, come on out. You know what? That would be perfect. You guys come out, train with me for a week, and then do your podcast and say, you can tell me whether it was good, whether I'm going to die, whether you're going to put a hit on me or whatever, you know, come out, try it one time, man. I'm telling you, uh, you got to. What's your promoter's character, promoter character's name again? The Rabidowitz? Scotty Rabidowitz. 
So I do a thing with a previous podcast guest, Noel Scotch Anderson, called the North Dakota Apartment Wrestling Federation. And it's this burlesque troupe we have in town doing wrestling moves like in apartments. And so they made like a fake magazine out of it. But I play a character who is one of the first promoters for it named Scotty Rabitowitz. It's th- these women put on such a fun show live. They've done it like three times and they have me sing the national anthem as part of it. And then I get to do a little play by play. It's kind no of way. a Paul Bear character. Yeah, kind of. very much no so. Kind and of, yeah. I have just, I mean, I've got this red corduroy coat and this big old mustache and dark tinted glasses. <laughs> I love it. I have so much fun doing it and coming up with like some of the names that they use, you know, like, uh, like the gackle grabber is oh, named God. after gackle, North Dakota. <laughs> and oh, it's, it's a hoot. It's a ton of fun. Man, ton of fun. I got to see that. Oh, my God. That sounds great, man. Yeah. In fact, they should go train with you, and their shows would be 10 times better. I'm telling you, tell them. Come out. My guy, I would the love The Valkyries that. of the Valley, if you're listening, Valkyries. I am Valkyries. looking for women wrestlers, because I want to have one woman and one man, or whoever, boy, or whatever, uh, that will make it huge from Fargo or North Dakota that was from here. You know, really, right I on. want them. You know, yeah. I want to train them. Sweet. God, stop being a woman. Come out and do it. <laughs> there you go. I love it. And Pat's I'm not talking about women. I'm talking about the men. Come on. <laughs> Pat Tanaka, thank you, man. Thank you guys for having me. I love you guys, man. Come out. A huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring this podcast. Folks, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, contact Natalie Deutsch today because Natalie Deutsch is not only a previous podcast guest, she's somebody who's going to care enough to sell your property for top dollar. She's also going to find you the best price possible if you're purchasing a new home. Last year on average, Natalie earned her clients $4,000 over list price on their homes and sold them faster than the market average. On average, Natalie's selling a home every 3.74 days. That's two homes a week. Those numbers don't lie. Find out why Natalie is one of the top agents in this entire market. Get a hold of her today, Natalie at HatchRealtyFM.com. You can also call 701-388-9338 or go on to LiveFargoMoorhead.com. That's LiveFargoMoorhead.com. Read all of her amazing reviews and then listen to her episode of JJ Meets World. Thanks again to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode of JJ Meets World and would like to help us continue to produce two new episodes every week, you can donate to our Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash JJ Meets World and donate today. Even as little as a dollar a month can go a long way. Visit our website at www.jjmeetsworld.com or hit up our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the sites the kids are using these days. If you'd like to stay up to date on new episodes of JJ Meets World, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever you consume the podcast that you love. JJ Meets World is produced every week by Tucker Lucas. You can find out more about Tucker's work by checking out www.moonbasemaria.com. If you want to get in touch with your host with the most, go to linebenders.com and you can find direct contact info for JJ. I think that if you and I were to start a wrestling duo, 
I think we should be the clergyman, and you can be uh, Friar Tuck, and I, <laughs> I'll be the card in all. <laughs> and like my thing is, I'll throw baseball cards at people, like. Pew, 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 pew.